All right, three, two, one, we are live. Welcome to the hive. I have a guest. It's a man I haven't spoken to directly in a while. I've got Don Klein. Yes, it's been too long, my friend. Yeah, it is. It's been a while. Uh, Klein, you, you used to train with us, but we know each other through mutual friends. You've trained, and uh, you are the coach of Ocean Township football. I am. I am the head football coach at Ocean Township. Uh, I've been a head football coach for 12 years, long years, and uh, our relationship probably goes about 10 now. Yeah. Um, you know, worked out in the gym, two different stints. Issue with me is consistency. I'll train hard for about 10 weeks and then take about five years off. <laughs> Um, but it is good to be back. Yeah, that that is uh, an issue. But you know what? Um, you definitely have a lot going on, and yes. your coaching career takes a big commitment for yes, sure. Yes, no doubt. Twelve months a year. I mean, high school football, youth youth athletics across the board is uh, extremely extremely demanding, um, and it is a twelve month commitment. And the more we get into this thing, the you know the more the requirements come. Of, you know, training in the off season, putting together a staff, working with the parents, working with the community to make sure the kids are in a good spot there with their football careers. So, I actually hit you up not too long ago because I have a friend who's a who's a NFL agent, and we were talking, and your name came up, and I said I knew you, and he was talking about that you were doing good things, and I don't really, I don't follow much of anything outside of MMA, um, not. That you were saying, hey, let's talk about the Super Bowl. I actually had to look up who's going to be in it. <laughs> but uh, uh, it, it was just interesting to hear that ocean football in particular, you know, you've put together some really tight players that have gone on to some big schools and are doing some big things. And I actually just wanted to kind of talk to you about, from a, even a parenting perspective, you know, the, the pathway that a lot of these kids from – you know, start to starting to make progress and looking towards the NFL and a career and whatnot. Because one of the big things is that a lot of people have dreams, but they don't understand the practical steps you have to take, or they don't understand the full commitment that it takes. And that's something that we both, with training athletes, two different environments, uh, getting kids at different times of their lives. There's a there's a lot of similarities, but a lot of differences too. And I thought that would be an interesting conversation. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, um, you know, when you talk about football in particular is a sport and you talk about mixed martial arts there's a lot of carryover between the two sports but the one thing that remains consistent for kids to have success um, you know there's a certain level of commitment that they need to have at a relatively early age to achieve even even if they have tremendous potential you know they still need to do everything right outside of just what God gave them ability wise and a couple of guys that I've been fortunate enough to coach probably Kenny Pickett being number one in the last few years who's currently the starting quarterback at Pitt, um, you know, was a kid who came in obviously with a lot of talent, but on top of the talent, his work ethic was that of a professional at 15 years old. The way he took care of his body, the way that he ate, the way that he, you know, the way that he worked out, all those things were necessary for him to achieve, uh, you know, Division One scholarship and 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 to start be the starting guy there relatively early in his career. So that's really funny because it's the same conversation Carl and I have had this over and over and over again that we call it jumping the line it's that you have to be ready so from a fight perspective if you look at your career in terms of you want to be two weeks out all the time or as much of the time as you possibly can that puts you in a position that you can answer the call of the weird one 
where you may not have a lot of fights, you may not have a lot of experience, but there is a big hole that needs to be filled, and you can jump the line. So you can go and you can fight outside of what on paper is your level, and you can get the opportunity to make bigger strides in your career. I mean, Carl's first fight was against Jerome LeBanner as a kickboxer, which then got him into glory. His first fight was against the guy who had over 100 fights. His second fight was against the guy who had over 50 fights. His third fight was with a guy who had something like 48 fights. It was insane. Right. But he went from making no money and being a nobody to fighting on the largest stage because of that original call to fight LeBanner. And it's the same kind of thing you're speaking about where if you're just sitting around relying just on your natural talent or you're not taking your career seriously, it's going to be very difficult for you to make the progression from high school level player to a D1 and then have the aspiration of going from D1 to the NFL for sure. You know, work ethic, it's not just the dream and the desire, it's putting in the work. Right. The work, the work, the work. I mean, and the, the work gets you prepared, right? So MMA or, you know, if you look at Carl's career or any fighter's career, but if you get an opportunity to take a fight on short notice and you're prepared for that fight, then you have the op you have the opportunity to benefit from it. Yes. From a football perspective, it's not really that people are, are going to give you a short notice opportunity. It's you might get a short notice opportunity because of an injury. Yes. Right? So if all of a sudden you go and, and, and you're the third string guy, you're going from a high school level to the division one level, or you go from the division one level or any college level to the pros, you may go into that thing as the third string guy or the practice squad guy, whatever the opportunity is, but all of a sudden one guy gets injured, another guy gets injured, and now you're the dude. You know, And if, if you haven't been doing everything you've been able to do to prepare yourself for that, that opportunity is going to be too big for you. You're not going to take advantage of it, and it may not come again. It's it's uh, I'm gonna paraphrase it because I don't remember the exact quote, but Muhammad Ali said something along the lines of he was always a champion. The world just had to kind of wake up to it, and that in a lot of ways is that guy that's riding the bench, and people aren't necessarily recognizing him as the guy. Right. But if you can maintain that position where you know you should be the guy. And then when the opportunity comes to be the guy and you can capitalize on that, and all of a sudden you are the guy. But see, how hard is that in today's society, right? How hard is it to be the guy and prepare like the guy and not get the opportunity to be the guy and then stay with it? Because most, most kids today, uh, I, I, they're looking for instant gratification. Yeah, you know things. what, though? I, 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 we have, I have this conversation so much. I hate shitting on the kids of today. Like it was any different? I mean, there's that. Well, quote. it is different. Think about the so. Think yeah, about, but it is. Think about but social is. media. Think but, about but the it shit is. that we okay. used to. Okay, all right. But my father played football in New Jersey too. Right. My father went. My father played in Notre Dame. My father got drafted by the Giants. My father had the same conversation in the '70s about players then that we're having today. This right. conversation has always been had. It's a different medium as a distraction. The distractions have always been there. The problems are always the same. We're humans. We have the same flaws. They just come out in different ways on generational perspective the only th yeah and i agree with you but the only thing that i would i would counter that with is communication information that is thrown at kids today that has never been thrown in the in the in the quantity the quantity of, course, of information yes. the quantity of criticism the quantity of praise that kids get today is unlike any other generation you know when you were growing up, you know, if your if your dad had an opinion about something you were doing, or your mother had an opinion about something you were doing, they would let you know about it. Kids today 
can 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 use whatever platform they want and get basically feedback however they want the feedback to be perceived whether it's positive or negative they can get inundated with feedback based off of their facebook their snapchat well their not Twitter, only whatever but it's not even can they this is a scary part I, I there was an interesting article i forget what the hell it was i think it was new york times or something but it was about so before they, they, they used a lunchroom analogy. So somebody would spill something on the ground, like water would be spilled on the floor, and then Joey would walk into the cafeteria and he would slip and fall. And then everybody that saw it would laugh, and then the water would dry and they'd move on, and maybe he would get ribbed a little bit here and there, right. like, hey, you idiot. But then right. by the next day, nobody, nobody remembered because they were on to the next. But now when someone sees the water spill, the phones come out, and they're waiting for the kid that's going to fall. Right. And then the kid falls, and then they put it on social media, and then they comment on it, and right. then they make the rounds of it. And the kid who fell is going home, and his, his followers are diminishing – his, but the likes are going up on the other kid's page for because of something right. that he did, and he's going to bed that night knowing that he's going to be known as the kid who fell forever. Right. And it's a total different mindfuck compared to you know when we were kids, and you know you're right. It was different because shit would happen, shit would and, happen and, and, and then you move on from it. Right. If and something now happened in the morning. By that afternoon, it was done with. Yeah, but now we're all walking around with a TV studio in our pocket. Right. And <laughs> if you now have, you're falling down one, one moment with you got unicorn. Uh, a horn coming at you. The next one you got like a you know a a, a prince uh, yeah something on your head. I mean they, they got different graphics for and, the video. But think about this as a football player, as an athlete. Well, it's funny. People ask me. I have students that are like, hey, oh, you fought because everybody that fights now, you can find all their stuff on YouTube or whatever. Right. I mean, I fought in the VHS era. I mean, guys had to wear a backpack that looked like the there's ghost. Not, there's not much digital uh, footage of you out there. But I used to joke. I used to say it's like they used to have to look. A guy that looked like he had a Ghostbusters backpack on and a, and a thing was taking a video of me. And they, and they were paying him like $1,000 a second to make it. Right. You know? Right. And the video was hard to get. And it was VHS. And who, we don't even have VHS players anymore. So, I mean, anything that was done prior to like 2001, it's hard to find. Right. Uh, but today, because of cell phones, whatever, you got 50 different angles of every play, of every game, yeah. and whatever. So if you do great, the whole world knows it. But right. if you don't do good, everybody knows it. Or you could do great, and you do one thing wrong, and they just keep recycling people, the yeah. wrong thing. You could you could go out and play a tremendous game or go out and have a tremendous fight yep. for 95% of that contest. And if you slip up, that 10, 15, 20 seconds, that one play in football or those 15 seconds in a fight. Every hater's running every, with that. Every hater's running with that. Yeah. And that's the only point I'll make to today's youth is that that concept of grinding, right? That concept as a, a, a fighter of always being prepared two weeks out, right? I'm always ready in two weeks out. Or as a football player, of putting the work in and not getting the opportunity, right? The weight room sessions, the, the, speed and, the strength and conditioning stuff, the nutrition, the film study, all those things. With youth today, sometimes if that instant gratification doesn't come in the form of playing time or success on the field, it's much easier, in my opinion, for kids today to say, forget that, I'm moving on to the next thing because I deserve mine. You okay. Know, I have 20 guys on Twitter that just told me how great I am, and I'm not getting an opportunity right now. I'm going to go on to the next thing. All right, so here, here's my question then. You're a coach. Yeah. You're an educator. You're in the system. What do you do about it? Communication. First, with who? How? With, with the kids. With okay. the kids, right? So you have to, You first of all, and it's the same thing with fighting and, and being a coach in that respect. You have to earn the trust of the people you're working with, right? The kids that you're working with have to trust you. 
They have to understand that you have their best intentions or their best interests in mind. We work very, very hard, myself and my staff, in getting our kids to understand that we are there for them. Everything we're doing is to put them in the best position for them to maximize their ability. But we also have to have open lines of communication and we have to be honest with each other. And when we set the expectation and you fall below the expectation, this is what we're going to talk about. You cannot be a person that looks the other way and says, you know what, that, you know, the kid's not, not, his technique stinks on this or he's not doing a good job with that. But you know what? I'm not going to address it with him. I'm just going to, you know, let him figure it out on, on by himself and say that, you know, uh, okay, I'm not doing as well as the other guys that are doing it, so I deserve not to play right now. Because most times kids don't understand that. You have to sit them down. You have to talk to them. You have to say, listen, film doesn't lie. What we're working on here, you're not grasping right now. We're going to continue to work at it. But open lines of communication and getting the feedback. Now, if kids give you feedback that's totally outlandish in regards to what they're doing then that's when you do have your issues, right? When when all of a sudden what, what, what I'm seeing or one of my coaches is seeing and we talk to our kids about it, the majority of the time the kids say, you're right, coach. I understand what you're saying. I see, what you're, I see where you're coming from right now. I'm going to work on this to get better. The time all of a sudden you have that conversation with the kid and he answers you and replies with something that's totally out there, that's where you're going to have your problems. It's the same thing for me. I mean, we were actually talking about it before. I was telling you about how there's some people that do work, and then there are other people that don't do the work and have a lot of excuses as to why they're not where they are. Right. And I do, I'm dealing primarily with people uh, older than you are. Like, I'm one step beyond yes. you in age, so I don't have to deal with parents. Right. One of the things – look, I have a five-year-old. Yes. Probably my wife's gonna yell at me for going down this road. Oh boy! <laughs> but I already see it myself. Like I see a huge divide between my mentality and the parents of a lot of these kids, right. and I see decisions being made and way things are being done that I'm like, oh boy, there's some huge landmines right here. Yep. I remember. Okay, so I graduated high school in 1992. Right. I graduated from CBA. My senior year, we had two kids got busted for cheating. And they failed the course, and their parents took the school to court because they're saying that the school was ruining their chances to go to their higher future, education. Right. And they're they got caught cheating at school policy tough. The courts like laughed at them and like threw it out. Right. But Fast now, forward. but now all of a sudden, I'm seeing that mentality way more. So those two kids that their parents sued that are now parents are doing it at everything. Like I'm seeing a lot of parents that are trying to, it's the participation trophy mentality. Of course, it's yeah. a lot of parents that are trying to make it okay for their kid because they just don't want to deal with the adversity. And it, it, it's, that is the hardest part. Right. Like I, they want to be their kid's friend rather than being their parent. Right. Well, and but it, I see it. It's, I think it's even more complicated than that, where I also think parents are very competitive, and I think parents want their kid to be the best. Right. Because I think the baby boomer generation, I think they oh. really created a weird set of kids. Like, I, I think That's we come Benjamin out of Scott, that. Right? But we come out of that. Like, our, our parents, like the, the generation that we are, yeah. it's kind of weird. Yeah. And now we're making another weird generation it's the next of kids generation. in a lot of ways. Listen, that baby boomer generation, right, was the first generation that was raised with a voice, okay? Yep. And my point for that is when we talk about the way you're raised, the way that your parents raised you, right? That generation was raised being told that what they had to say mattered, yep. okay? And I'm, and I'm not saying that it doesn't matter. I have two I have two daughters. 
when we talk about everything matters, I want to hear what they're concerned about, I want to hear things that are going on, and I want them to know that those things matter. But I'll tell you, it was the first generation of the baby boomers where when they sat down, they were, they were given a platform to communicate, to criticize, to praise, to well, do whatever. Well, it was the counterculture. They were not, not only were they being told to communicate, they were being told that they were communicating better th with a with a higher level of understanding than their parents did. Their parents were just right. worker drones in a lot of ways right. that were conforming to things where they were blowing the doors off of it. it right. It, 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 was, it was a... And it was the first generation that really that wasn't disciplined in the manner that a lot of people grew up in this country yes. being disciplined, right? Yes. I mean, so rather than being disciplined, it was share your emotions, tell me about your feelings, all those things. And ultimately, those kids that were raised that way are now having kids, and their kids are now having yeah, but kids. Then, and that's, but you do also have to bump out to that aspect of they came out of that, and then they go into that 80s generation where money becomes a very big thing. Right. So you have, you've, you've loosened a lot of ideas and people are feeling self-empowered is the word i yep. guess materialist but, and then but then you throw this like surging stock market 80s generation you know Money that was hand over that fist. was Insane. that was way that time was pretty wild crazy that was like cocaine and porsches yes. you know yep. i mean my dad was my dad was a stockbroker at that time Wall, and Wall he made Street, right? a, lot a lot of money, money. yeah you know, my mother, she cut her teeth at that time with her own business. She made a lot of money. And then you go into the 90s and you're raising your kids. And it's definitely a very weird progression of things that kind of lead us to this point. And then you add social media to it and the amount of... It, there, there's, a, there's a lot of cultural stuff going on A lot here. of things. But I also... But I still say that the base strengths and weaknesses... Of the of, human being? Of, the, of humans has always been the same. I agree with that. And... The one thing about sport that I like, and it's your cell phone's not gonna play the play for you. Right. You're not gonna catch the ball because of your phone. Right. You're not gonna throw the ball because of your computer. You have to physically do the work to be able to do that well. Right. And it's the same thing with fighting. Like you know, you don't fight with phones. You fight with fists. It's you have to train. You have to be in shape. And it's that's the thing I, I respect most about. It, and I think that's the, the most teachable aspect of sports is you really have to know who you are. You have to better yourself. You have to do the work. You have to work well with others. You have to be coachable. I mean, you can't play. You cannot be good at football if you're not coachable. 100%. Unless you're in an entitled program. I've seen a lot of kids that are actually not that coachable, but they're naturally talented, so people put up with their stuff. Right. But then they become the they're biggest. They're coach killers. And they're the train wreck of human beings 100%, later on 100%, in life. Because they, they were entitled growing yep. up. They were given they were given a certain level of um, accolades or prestige in the community because they were gifted athletically. I've had it happen to me. I've, ha I've made – there's been mistakes over the course of my 12 years as head coach where – you know, all of a sudden you let a, a certain thing slide, a little thing slide, right? Because, hey, it's You're your riding player. talent. You're riding talent, right? I'm winning yeah. football games. I'm riding talent, whatever. We all but do at it, the man. end of the day, those things, they, they kill your culture. They kill your they kill your culture. Not only do they kill your culture, but they kill that person in time. Yeah, 100%. I, I say this quite often. I train you to win the fight that's in front of you, but I'm training you so that you can live with what you do today 20 years from now. Right. Like, I want you to be in your 40s looking back at your 20s going, I did it right. I don't right. want you to have regrets. Right. And that's why I'm as hard as I am. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a bit of a prick, like, when it comes to training. Like, I have to be hard. Right. Uh, because it, I, I have to be hard because it's, it's, it's a hard, long life. Like, right. 
when three o'clock in the morning, when you, when your your lizard brain goes nuts, you're gonna remember everything you didn't do. Right. So I gotta minimize that. Yep. And if you get it today, great. If you don't get it, but you wake up to it later, as long as you wake up to it and you, we can be cool about it, at some point we're good. Now you're 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 involved with athletes that, like we mentioned, are at the next stage of their life, right? I have high school yeah. age kids. So a lot of right out of that, correct? Right out of that. But how? A lot of what I do in my mind is okay. Listen, we're trying to be competitive. We're trying to win this football game. I'm trying to get the best out of my athlete, but I also want them to take lessons from what we're doing here yeah. with them, right? To make Absolutely. sure that they get up on time for work. To make sure they go to their classes. To make sure they're great dads. To make sure they're great husbands. All those things. When they get to your level of professional professionalism, how much of that are you trying to? mentor on to the guys that you train is there that element or is it such a pressure cooker it's no 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 it's no it's it's um i mean how much of that mentor figure do you play outside of being a mentor for their their minds honestly i think you got to ask my guys right what do you think they'd say what do you want it to be do you does that do you think it, it it enters your mind at all or or is it subconscious or it it's it the most important thing for me is that they're successful people. Right. I honestly like it, I it's the weird it's this weird thing. If everybody could be a champ, I would love that. If everybody could get the belt, that would be great, but I don't want anyone to get the belt and sacrificing the quality of their later years. Right. Like I I I want you to do this in the most productive way possible because I mean for me I look at I look at my life and the road I took and I love my life because I have a great wife. I have two amazing kids. I, I think we have a lot of we have a lot of parallels with that because you need an amazing wife, you need great kids to do what we do for people. But I didn't get married and I didn't have my my first child until I was 39. Right. I laugh all the time. I tell my wife I skipped the ex-wife and went right to the trophy wife. You know, That's but right. like I, it's it's like I gave up up until about 34. I met my wife when I was 34. Right. When I was 34, up until 34, I sacrificed um, what we, I guess we would call normal. Right. Because I was just completely obsessed with my career. Yeah. And I don't know. If, I mean, I again, I'm not, I have no regrets for it because, I mean, between the age of 24 and 27, I fought in 13 different countries. You know, I got to see the world. Right. I've, I've lived a life. If I died today. If you had met your wife when you were 24. Oh, my God. Forget it. It would have been bad. Well, I'd also be in jail because she's 13 years younger no, than me. So. <laughs> I walked into that one. You know, she was in fourth grade. Yeah, that would have been bad. That would have been horrible. Her, uh, yeah, we wouldn't be sitting here today. No. I'd be, or at least it would be, there'd be glass in between us. But um, if I died today, I lived a very fulfilling, amazing life. Right. I mean, I, I feel like I've had four lives. Right. In in, in I'm going to be 45. Four different movies. Right. Yeah, it's that insane you could, that you could. You could look at your life and say there's four different um, chapters to this book, and all four are very – there's parallels between them, but they're, they're all very different. Yeah. So no. for me with that, though, when you to go back to the base of what you're asking me, it's like I don't have any regrets in how I went about what I'm doing. And I guess more than anything, I just want people to be comfortable with the commitments that they're making, to right. understand why they make these commitments, and to understand the long view of the commitments – so it's it's not a short term, you know, hand to mouth existence. It's on it's it's having a purpose, having a long view, having goals. And if you don't understand what you want out of life, at least be 
working towards understanding it. Like, don't just fight to fight. Right. Like, honestly, if you... Well, what's the average time? The average time... No, man, the average fight time... Think about it. That you can it, fight and make a, and make money fighting. What's the average well, time that a, that a professional can fight and make money doing it? I've trained... I've probably trained a thousand guys at this point. Right. But maybe four or five of them actually can make a living doing it. Right. Okay. So I mean, think about that. Percentage. That's what I'm saying. It's now, like what do you this think is the average time this is, is for those harder, four or five guys. This is harder than making it in the NFL. Oh, I agree. There's there's more spots in the NFL than there are available to make a real living. Right. I'm not talking about the 30 year old who's making a hundred bucks a Me fight. Me neither. I'm not talking about that guy. I, I'm, I'm talking, talking about a guy about that's like, going like Carl, and, right. like a guy who's getting a really good paycheck from the UFC. Yes. That's different. Right. But like somebody that's getting a paycheck from a big organization. Well, how many bit like there's what three or four organizations that are really kind of viable in that manner? If you're not fighting for Bellator UFC or UFC or what Invicta. I, I mean, Invicta. I mean, I got Deanna's in Invicta. I mean, I don't even want to talk about that. And, I mean, I love Invicta. What's the other one? Invicta's basically a feeder to the UFC. You're not making a great living in that. You're okay. just getting by. So, okay, so it's UFC, Bellator, and then what's the one that... I mean, it's UFC and Bellator. I now, mean, there's one more. What is that? Uh, one. One FC. One, one FC. <coughs> so there's three. Excuse me. There's three in the world. So how many roster spots? I mean, we could go on with the numbers, but like you said, there's not really a lot of opportunity for professional fighters You're, out there to make a lot of money fighting. And... You're making. You're not even making blue collar money in the beginning when you're fighting for the big shows. Right. So I mean, yeah, some and, of those so, numbers are insane. So I mean, how about the how about the the, the the card that De La Hoya put on a couple of months ago? I mean, the lowest paid guy I think was five hundred bucks. I mean, five hundred dollars. You're you're going for an eight week, ten week camp, and and you're on the same card as Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz, and you're okay, five five hundred dollars. See, I don't have a problem with that because <clears throat> you know I, I I think one of the biggest issues with the UFC is that when the, they pay a lot of money to a lot of guys, and people always complain that the UFC doesn't pay enough comparatively. Right. And first off, the money that you see online is a portion of the money. There's a lot of different things to the structure of how that company works. Right. And if you are a good company man and you do the work and you don't turn down fights, you get you get taken care of really well. Right. It's the only organization that takes care of people to the level that they do. I mean, Bellator, say whatever you want about Bellator. It's not a structured organization. The money that you make is based on a lot of weird factors. With the UFC, it's A plus B equals C. Right. When you come in, your first three fights, everybody makes the same money. Yes. You know what you're going to make. Right. So you can plan your life. You could say, you say, if you win, you go from this to this. Right. You know, and if, if you, you lose, it, you're going to stay at that. You can but, get submission of the night, knockout of the night, and those, those are windfalls for those guys. Yeah, but you can't count you on can't that. You can't count on it. You can't count on that. Right. But if you look at the contract, you can figure out, like, okay, over the next year. You can have an idea of what you're going to make. Yes. This year, I'm going to make a minimum of this or a maximum of that. Right. That's where I'm at. And right. you can kind of figure things out. And then you could say, I might need a part time job or not. And quite honestly, I mean, people don't know this about Carl. Carl, Carl had two freaking overnight jobs that he never told anybody about. While he was trying to make it in the league, because right. you're not making enough. There's right. nothing wrong with that. No. The discipline of getting by is the most important thing. I tell, I think more important than winning, my number one thing I try and stress with everybody is the professionalism needed to to have the the discipline to win. Mm-hmm. Winning is not about just showing up on game day and playing. It it's a cons- it's a daily consistency. Yep. It's winning at everything you do all the time because you're fully committed to your actions. Right. You 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 don't slack at anything. You know, you make your bed. You you right. you iron your pants. Right. You don't beat your girl. You take care You're of nice your responsibilities. To your, yes, right. like you don't do You're dumb good, shit. Exactly right. Right. Because if you have that weakness, 
and it's the same thing with guys that are on juice. I, I, I say this all the time. Guys that are trying to cheat the system, that's a weakness. That's the thing. It's a character flaw. When it gets when the when the when it gets hard out there, when it gets long in the game, right? When you're getting the shit kicked out of you in a round, when your cardio fails you for whatever reason, right. and you got to dump whatever the deal is, and when you got to dig deep, or do you have it in? Well, you're gonna remember all the slacker bullshit that you do it because no matter what, nobody can act like they don't have an understanding of right and wrong. And when you're doing the things that are morally weak. These are true weaknesses that we all know we have or don't have. Right. And those are the things that weigh on you at the hard moments. Right. So the less of that you can carry, the stronger you're going to be at the tough times. Yep. That's why if you look at a guy like Tom Brady. Right. Like Again, I don't follow football like crazy. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl here. It's like we've been talking to the, uh, the cabinet back here. Brian <laughs> is not. No, but a guy like Tom you've Brady. You've never been a big organized sports guy, though. I mean, growing. Did you play soccer? Uh, did you play soccer? Yeah, I played soccer. I played baseball. I was I was pretty good at baseball, actually. Okay. I was pretty. But I mean, good at you were you league. were training you were training in the martial arts since what age? Six. Okay. I made my professional debut at eighteen. Right. I mean, that's. I mean, so when I, people were playing baseball or, or maybe taking that a little bit more, it's very it would have been very hard for you to focus on soccer or baseball and taking it well, to the I next always, level. Yeah, I mean, I always did it, but I don't know. It just wasn't where my attention went. I guess. Right. I don't know. It's, it's just. Is what it is with me. Yeah, but Tom Brady. But but what I was saying with Tom Brady, yeah. his work ethic, and if you, and I, I saw they were doing, there was highlights of interviews when he was younger. That dude just believed in himself. Oh, my God. And he worked his ass off. Worked his ass off. And every time, it was, he always said, I will outwork you, I will outwork you, I will outwork you. He always had the mentality of he will outwork, and he believed that the work was going to get him somewhere. So it wasn't luck. It was really the work. That guy literally. It was the grunt. He outworked his weaknesses. He's 40 years old, 39 years old. And because 40. of all that work, He looks though, better now than he ever did before in his life, physically. He's probably on growth, to be quite honest. It could be. I, mean, I think most of these guys are. But. Well, same thing with fighting, though. Uh, I mean, please. You know, that Car- could be a I mean, whole honestly, in honestly, Carl and Corey are like two of the only clean fighters I know. David Branch is clean, too. I mean, David, Carl, Corey, they're like the only clean guys I know. Right. I mean... I mean, I, I've personally witnessed a lot of weird. Well, shit. I guess the testing is now better. Yeah, but they still can't test certain. But things. they let John Jones fight with elevated levels. Yeah, there's some crazy shit I mean, with that. I so I I guess it was Turnable is what he. Yes. So there there were somebody was posting about how Turnable they cut this this uh, testosterone booster that's out of your system in a couple hours. Right. With Turnable, and they're like, of course he's microdosing Turnable because that's how you microdose Turnable with this other stuff, whatever. And the one thing is too, I mean, I've I gotta look into it a little deeper, but somebody was telling me that there's um, a lab that's tied to his camp that their main job is to defeat the testing and his brothers were going there too, and that's his one brother got busted already and Yeah, like well both shit. his brothers played in the NFL. You know? Did they both get busted? I, I think know. one of them got busted. One did. One got busted. Maybe they might have they might have both. But there's just a uh, there's a mental weakness there. Yeah. It's just But there's so much talent. Yeah, but you can't overcome that mental weakness. That's again, like as a coach, the the most heartbreaking scenario is the naturally talented, physically gifted, but doesn't just doesn't have a head on their shoulders. Right. That's, that's the kid that should it's be should be the best in the world, but has uh you know has a mentality of a uh, I don't even know the it's proper weird, word for know? it. And then, you know, and and you're running those circles. But think about even even Dana White, right? A guy you know running an organization. When you see 
someone with the charisma, the personality, the talent level of John Jones, and then you lose that asset for a period of time because they basically can't get their shit together. I mean, that's got to be frustrating. As, as frustrating right. as it would be for the coach as it would be for the CEO well, of the think, organization. Think of this, though. So I got I got a kid I trained, tested positive uh, for weed after his, one of his flights. Right. And they, they uh, it's funny, his opponent tested positive, too. I was like, what are you, both fucking smoking in the back, you jerk off? Right. Yeah, but they, they uh, called the fight no contest, whatever. He's like, yeah, but I fought. I did really well, so I should be getting a call soon. I was like, what the fuck do you think you're going to get a call for? Right. What are gonna, who's going to call you? And he's like, I don't understand. He's like, I fought well. I'm like, okay, but what you're missing the point of is that at the professional, the highest professional level, every single slot on those cards costs marketing dollars. Right. Cost infrastructure dollars. So if they can't rely on you to show up, mm-hmm. pass the test, fight your ass off, right. and be worth their investment they're, they're not going to sign you right. i've got guys that wow. miss weight and they're like ah it was a blip i'm like okay but now you're three fights away again before anyone's even going to look at you to go to the next level right you're because gonna have to, you're gonna have to, you have to prove it and they're like but what do you mean and like i'm still fighting well and i'm like but you missed weight again if you're if you're the ufc you've got an abundant you have a massive amount of talent out there that you can hire to come and fight for you. 100%. Don't ever think same you're the only one. Same thing is true in football. Yeah. Especially with kids that are trying to get scholarships. And I, and, I, and the NFL is the same as the UFC. Quite honestly, the NFL and the UFC, if they wanted to, could fire every single player in their leagues. Right. Used a marketing campaign properly to explain why they had to let them all go, and then hire a bunch of nobodies, put their marketing machines behind them, and, and in two seasons, they'll be the most famous players in the world. Right. Because it is entertainment and marketing in a lot of ways. How much have you seen of that in your career? Again, because you're at a higher level. But with fight organ, we don't want to talk about the UFC in, in particular. With fight organizations, whether it's anybody a local local. Well, you got to remember, I, I'm coming from K1, Pride, Strike Force, right. you, you all see that. It all. Yeah. But even even with the local things, right? The Ring of Combat. Or local or, local is all about ticket sales. Okay. All okay, local well, that, gives see, a that shit. makes a good point though. Too, local right? is all about ticket it sales. It is about ticket sales. So how, how often do you see a guy that, on his merit or on his ability or on his whatever, maybe shouldn't be the guy that's getting the push? But the organization can market the shit out of that guy and make money off that guy, so that guy's getting the opportunities. Every fuck, every show, it's every main event. Right. There's nobody like the one thing again. I I do not fault promoters for being promoters. Right. The one thing I like, guys get mad. They're like, oh, this promoter's a jerk off. All he does is care about money. I'm like, that's his business. Yeah. His job. Wait, let me finish last. Yeah. I see you're ready to hop on me here. Oh, I got, I got, I got. No, but yeah. here's the thing. Like, so here's a promoter. A promoter says, okay, I have X amount of seats to fill. So if I got this guy who's selling 600 tickets every time. I'm going to keep feeding him guys so he can keep winning and we can keep doing this. And then you do get to a point where it's like, okay, i got to give this guy a real opponent yeah. now. Right. And if they lose, well, they ran their course and they go find the next horse to ride. Right. If, as a young athlete, you can't listen to a promoter, any promoter coming to you saying that you're a world beater, and then if – so if you're selling zero tickets for a promoter and they're telling you that they love you and they're going to give you the push and they're paying you top dollar – that's different. But if you're selling a shit ton of tickets, don't think they're kissing your ass for any other reason than you're selling a shit ton of tickets. You're lining their pockets. I I don't have a lot of ticket sellers. We are a we are 
a weird gym where we do a lot of work. Mm-hmm. We don't really build a huge following. Right. It's always been a shortcoming of mine is that I don't build a huge following around these guys when we roll into these fights at particular level. Even Carl. I mean, Carl, I think Carl's last non-UFC fight, I don't think he sold 11 tickets. It just is what it is with us. We focus on the work. I should probably be hiring somebody else to fucking develop a community around it. But So we always got the hard fights because the promoters didn't give a shit about us. They So they put us against somebody. They were like, fuck, they better give us a good fight if they're not going to make us money. At least give us something that you know we can entertain the crowd while the guy who's the heavy ticket seller comes on next. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. like, As we always got... T- yeah, right? it was always- a lot of those cards have a shit ton of uh, fights on them. I mean. Yeah, so the big fights that we got were always last minute because no one wanted to put us on the card because we never really made them a lot of money. Right. But we would get on cards when like a spot would open up. Carl, I, I think out of Carl's first six fights, we, we only had one where we actually had a full training camp. The rest of them were all in like five days notice because they just needed somebody and they knew he was a killer so they brought him in but so again young guy coming up you got to understand if you want easy fights sell a lot of tickets if you're selling a lot of tickets don't believe the bullshit all your friends in the crowd screaming how great you are against mediocre competition right don't think you belong in the ufc because you're beating bums in front of your friends yeah like it doesn't mean anything now Okay, not young guys. Where are you where are you at with super fights? What do you mean? Uh, UFC as as an organization, even Peltor to a certain extent, they seem to be moving towards a trend. Maybe this Conor McGregor type deal of the idea of super fights rather than All the right. champ fight the number missing? one contender. Okay, okay, but okay. So here's the problem that UFC has. Right, they're contractually obligated on their pay per views to have a title fight every pay per view. Okay. So the reason why we're getting all of these weird matchups, interim titles, titles. super fights, all that. So if you don't have a champ that's available or a champ with a viable opponent available, they're doing champ champ. Okay. Or they're doing interim. So like when Tyrone Woodley doesn't fight, you have, you know, Colby versus uh, whomever. And like that's why we've just got this abundance of... But what about say the last uh, the last fight was uh, Dillashaw and Cejudo. Cejudo, right? Yeah, but I also I think strategically the UFC was trying to kill the 125 division there because I think they they, well, that, just, they thought it was a lock that Dillashaw was going to take out Cejudo. Right. But what I think will happen now is they'll rematch that at Dillashaw's That's weight. 35. So they'll go to 35 mm-hmm. on that and see what happens. I mean, but if you're a guy like Marlon Marais or a Sunset, they, I mean they fight this weekend. Those guys have been hemmed up for what 18 months waiting for. The Dillashaw Garbrandt thing, and then the super fight. I mean, my my point is, at what point does the the level of competition, right? If I'm the number one ranked guy in the world, and I'm waiting on my opportunity to fight for the belt, at what at what point do these super fights become not annoying, but? Um, again, I think the market dictates everything. Right. I think so the fans. I think say. the f- fans are getting the fights that they want to a degree. Right. The fighters act frustrated, but as long as I, it, it's weird. Like at this level, you get to a point where you've got guys that they're almost like soul surfers that they fight because they want the title, right? And the money doesn't really matter. But if you took away the money, the money really would matter. Course, These guys are making good money along the way, but. More than anything, the amount of damage that these guys take and the amount of work that that goes into it and the amount of shit that they just go through, money becomes the objective in a lot of ways. These guys aren't – I see a lot of guys that say to me like, you know, 
go after the money, don't go after the belt. Mm-hmm. And, and like big name guys. Right. This is what they consistently say. Like just keep working because you never know when this is going to be over. You might take a punch tomorrow and you're done. You'll be done. And right. just bank it. Just go for the big fight. So these guys, when they come to him with a super fight, like Dillashaw and Cejudo were like, okay, Mighty Mouse had to leave because, <coughs> excuse me, he had to leave because no one cared. Right. So how do we make people care about anything under 155, 145? Well, let's do this super fight. And as much as people cared, I think they got lucky with it being the first ESPN Plus card. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you think it was an early stoppage? Did you get a chance? I mean... All right. Two parts on that. One, that ref sucks. Okay. That ref is notoriously bad ref. Uh, he ref Kurt Pellegrino's last fight, and he was responsible for the mystery stoppage when Kurt was shooting for a single leg, I remember that fight. and and said he got knocked out. Right. I'm like, what the fuck? Is that Bellator? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. But I've seen this guy do it a lot, where he's just ended fights early, and then that, you know it's a it's it's a he's used to it because he always grabs the guy and tries to explain to him why he made the call. Right. When they're and they're all like, what did you do that for? But that being said, that guy's, I think that guy's a terrible ref. I really don't care if he hears it. Um, but I watched the fight, and then I watched it in slow-mo, and TJ really got cracked. Yeah, I mean, he was flattened, what, three times, I think. Three separate times. He caught four shots. <laughs> right. And three of them put him down. Put him down. So I can see both ways. Right. Let him go out on his shield, one. According to the it's rules, just Emmett, so hard because he's. But again, but Carl puts Glover down and Glover almost Glover goes in and out of consciousness right. three times, two or three times, and they don't stop it. Yeah. But that's because Big Dan, like Big Dan, either stops it early or lets guys die. So right, I mean, it is what. But it that is, that weekend in particular, right? I know you probably didn't see it, but the NFC Championship game, the Rams and the Saints were playing each other. Did you, I mean, honestly, I heard there was been, two. There has been two really bad calls that yeah, on the side of both games. On the same, well, uh, we're talking about the Saints and the Rams, right? Okay. On one play in particular, there were two blatant penalties on the same play that were not called that directly impacted the outcome of the game. Yeah. Right? So as a result, the Rams now get an opportunity to play for a world title, Super Bowl championship, and the Saints are now going home. Right? The the amount of work that goes into being a professional football player, professional football coach. The years and the years and the years of all that stuff, right? Now, these guys are getting paid, but that idea of winning a Super Bowl ring or the Lombardi trophy oh, and that you. stuff, that was taken away from them by the officials' inability to call a blatant, blatant penalty. You know what the one always gets me is... Uh, I actually want to look at this, too, from both perspectives of... Uh, Super Bowls and World Championship fights. How many guys actually get another shot and are successful? Mm -hmm. Because I know as an athlete and as a coach, you hit certain levels and you fall short. Right. And you have this feeling like, I'll I'll be be back. back. Dan Marino. But how many guys never get back? Dan Marino. There's a lot. There's a ton. A ton of high-level guys in the fight game also that get an opportunity very early in their career and they may... Lose, uh, a, you know, a, a fair fight or a fair game that's well, and they play well. They represent themselves well, and they just come up a little short. Or, my to my point with the Saints being robbed, and then certain elements of the Dillashaw fight, like Dillashaw's cut into 125, right? Yeah. Whatever camp that was for him had to be held. That was a nightmare. A nightmare. Nightmare. Right. So th- he's probably never going to do that again. 
right? He's probably never going to cut down if 25. Does, There's going to be no, no honestly, division though, even doing But if he does it, again, I don't know if he'll physically ever be the same. Right. So my, my point, you have, a, you have an opportunity there that's probably that only chance to fight at 125, to, to, to be the champ at 125, and all of those stuff, and it was taken away from you. It, you know, a lot of people thought it was early. I agree with you. He did. You know, he was. He was. It could be either way down. on that. You but could go either way. I, I'm happy either way on that. Right. If they let it keep going, I'm fine but with like, it. As a fighter, and I'm okay with this you, stop. You put yourself through, through so much. You but talk here, about but the training thing, camps. You okay. talk about coming up through smaller promotions. But, but that one is not. This one doesn't bother me as much because Dillashaw and Cejudo got paid really well to do this. Right. Both of them got paid really well. At the end of the day, they got paid well, and Dillashaw walks away still the champ at 135. Okay. He didn't lose anything. Okay. But here's the one that bothers me. That kid who fought uh, Max Holloway. What's his name? The one who just uh, fought. Ortega. Yeah, Brian Ortega. Yeah. That one bothers me. Because Brian Ortega, young guy. Yeah. Really young guy. Really talented Super guy. Super talented guy. Gets Super an early, tough guy. But wait, gets an early shot. Right. And gets the record for most punches landed on a human being broken on his face. Yeah. I don't know if he's ever going to be the same. And he's ne- he may never be the champ because of the beating he took that day. Right. So that's different. Like... Dillashaw, Cejuda, both walk away, still champions. More accomplished in their careers already at this point. Dillashaw is going to go and he's going to still get champ money defending his belt against either Cejuda or somebody else. Right. He's still champ, who cares? It was an experiment that failed. Whatever. But then, but a guy like Ortega comes in, takes like a hellacious beating. Hellacious. I mean, honestly, I don't know how you go back to a training camp after a beating like that, knowing that a beating like that may happen again. Like your your mind fucked pretty hard on that. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. And you're in pain for a long time. Yeah. Like that's not an easy thing to recover from. So you go through that kind of situation. Like I, that's the guy I feel for in that. Okay. Well, you know, because he didn't make championship money. He made right. challenger money. Right. He's not walking away set for life. He's walking away set for a couple years. Yeah. Like, it's different. I mean, it wasn't like Nate Diaz fighting Connor for, like, fuck you money. Yeah. I mean, Cowboy Cerrone probably end up fighting Connor if Connor's not That the seems c- like what's going to be next, yeah, right? Yeah, that, that fight happens. I mean, Cowboy could retire off that and be good for the rest of his yeah. days. And that's a guy who never saw the belt but fought so much he set himself up. I think it's, it's a great. great fight for Connor. I think it's a great fight. Yeah, I... I, I I I'm a I'm a huge cowboy fan. I'm a huge cowboy fan I'm a, too. I'm a friend of his. But I think that's a I, great I, matchup. For I Connor. think that cowboy has to make some changes, but I don't know if at this point in his career he's prepared to do what it takes to make those changes because right. he's been doing the same thing for a long time successfully. A lot and of he's success. Getting, and he's getting paid really well, and he has a very nice life, and you know, it's different, Connor. Connor's just an anomaly, but but there's that huge rumor right now that Connor uh, may be in a little trouble in Ireland. With what? They're like there's so I can, there's a there's a law in Ireland where you're not allowed to put stuff in the paper until somebody's convicted of a crime. So if you're accused, they can't say who the person that's accused's name is. Okay. Only after a conviction are you allowed to print. Okay. And there was a somebody who was arrested for rape in uh, Ireland and they're saying it was a sports star that's not a football player that oh. just had a second kid with their longtime girlfriend I gotta look into that yeah. come on man there was a really weird rumor that I, I, I read I mean it's the internet right you never know but if that's the it's case out there. if that's the case that could be a problem that could be a that could be, be a huge a problem big problem but yeah. I, I don't think the UFC cares right now I think the UFC will be happy with whatever Connor does because they got John Jones back and uh, you know there's 
there's enough developing storylines. I think Israel Adesanya, if he beats Anderson Silva, which he will, if he beats Anderson Silva, because you got to remember too. And the one thing I always go back to is when DC fought Anderson Silva. Right. Anderson Silva really hurt him. Yeah. Oh, you're right. He has that freakish ability yep. and experience to pull some weird shit off still. Yep. There's so, no doubt. And Israel, I think Israel and Carl would be a great matchup. Mm-hmm. Carl hasn't earned that fight yet. I mean, we've had a, we've had our ups and downs in this UFC career. I know what Carl's upside potential is. We have to live up to that more before we get some of these bigger fights. Right. But uh, Israel is like he's a funky fighter. I'm not as scared of his power. I'm scared of his output and his cardio. His output and his and his accuracy. Yeah. And I, but I think Anderson's so weird, like Israel is. Either one of them can get caught with something. What is funky. Anderson's body going to look like at 185 pounds at this point? Of his yeah, life? Now, he's mean, another guy that got popped, right? He's been popped. Yeah, a- age does a lot. I I don't think he has a chin anymore. That's what I'm. Yeah, that's think, my my biggest. But he could. But he could. He can catch you. Like that's oh, the right. only thing. He yeah. can let a leg go early and. Weirdness. And we've seen Adesanya get. Put on, you know, not in the UFC, but there, uh, whatever promotion he was with coming up. I mean, he's been knocked out before. Oh I mean, he's yeah, been hurt. You know, I, mean, I don't. I think, I think it, it might have been a kickbox. But I don't know what it was. I, I, I saw him get knocked out. I think the volume in which Israel fights is the challenge. Right. It's not a skill set as much as a volume of funkiness. <laughs> it's yeah. just. Right. It's just this funky volume that just never stops. Yep. And that's the the challenge with him. Where are you at now? Next part, because we can we can parlay this over with the NFL sure. or football also with uh, CTE or Chuck Liddell. Watching, I don't know if you watched that last fight. But yeah, a guy that was that, terrible. It's awful, but. Guys like De La Hoya that, should be shot for that. De, De La Hoya should be. He's yeah. such a scumbag. He's such a scumbag. He just proves he, how shitty boxing is. And well, he also proves that he, he really has no idea about mixed martial arts. He has no. He really did a poor job of promoting that. I honestly, I, mean, I, I, you know what that that what that whole thing said to me was De La Hoya thinks that the average American is stupid, right? And that fighters are just you know a commodity to be used yeah there's no care for any side when you put a shit show like that together no i'm surprised it even got sanctioned but a guy like chuck bj penn to a certain extent um these guys that are getting up in years i guess you could probably say anderson depending on how the fight goes but um at what point do these organizations um have the have the you know they basically need to tell these guys enough is enough same thing in the NFL, right? I mean, the NFL guys, right, but here's, seven, but here's, eight concussions. I, I know, but here's the slippery slope, though. <coughs> the minute you give someone the authority to say you're done, where do they stop? That's my thought on it. Right. Like, so you get to well, tell. Well, Dana White told Chuck you're done. No, he said, he said, I don't want to see you as a friend. I don't want to see you fight anymore. Right. And as a league, I don't think we're gonna we're gonna use you anymore. Right. He didn't say you're done. Well, he's done with UFC. But the sport didn't say you're done. No athletic commission came in and said you can't fight anymore. Like, if you can pass all the medicals, you're good. But there's only a couple organizations, like we talked about before, that can pay their fighters. Okay, the only reason why Chuck Liddell couldn't fight outside of the De La Hoya thing is because the UFC or Bellator would be... Bellator... UFC never would have released them to fight in Bellator. Right. The UFC had a contract with them. They never would have released and they were like, to let them fight in Bellator. Shit, we'll fight with De La Hoya's thing. And right. the De La Hoya thing happened because I think when they bought the company, whatever, he lost his status. And I think whatever. Chuck actually, and, went, and on Scott, an interview, talked about and said, I called Damon and said, you got to do this for me. you got to let me fight in this fight. And, and, and yeah, and I don't think Scott Coker would have wanted to use him at this point either. Scott Coker actually is... 
semi decent guy when but it comes they, to that stuff. But doesn't Bellator have that whole legends idea going on too? No, that's Vitor Belfort who has that idea, and he oh. keeps trying to push it like he's going to go there. But I mean, Bellator uses some of these aging fighters to get some ratings, um, which is fine. But again, my whole my thing is, if a guy can pass the test, and, and he wants to, and he wants to, and someone's going to be willing to pay for it, right. I, I I'm like. Good, bad, or indifferent. It is what it is. We're all adults. We have decisions to make. I just don't like if the governing bodies start having that kind of power where if a guy passes medicals, they can make some arbitrary decision that they don't want guys to fight. You, you don't know how deep that can go because then you can run into the situation if they don't like you, they can manufacture reasons why you could not fight. And that's a problem because yeah. a lot of these agencies, you know, corruption is rampant. I, we, we see a lot of problems with this stuff. Right. Um, yeah, I just, I, I think as long as people are willing to pay to watch it and a guy can pass the medicals, fuck it, let him go. Yeah. And these guys have no other way to make a living like that. Right. I mean... I mean, you're a gym owner. You know how you know a lot of these Let guys say, oh, money, go, go, go open a gym." Well, you know what? Making a, making money in a gym is really hard. It's hard. It's really hard. It's really hard. And you, you have your good years, right? But you have bad years too, right? It's not a guarantee, right? Now, owning a gym, how much have you seen with with the UFC taking off? What has that done to the amount of youth, younger younger kids that want to come in and learn a discipline? Well, the difference is is that when I started. At that time, I mean, back in 1998 and prior, you were a grappler or you were a striker, but it was even more like you were a judo guy, you were a jiu-jitsu guy, you were a sambo guy, you were a kickboxer, you were a boxer, you were, you were something. Like, you were a master right. of something. Right. Where now, MMA is the thing. Right. So, I, young kids don't come to me and say, I want to learn how to kick and punch or I want to do jiu-jitsu. They come in and they say, I want to do MMA. Right. So... People look at MMA as its own entity now, which is different. Um, good, bad. There's, there's, there's pros and cons to it. I think that the lack of mastery of a specific discipline kind of it, it didn't water it down, but it creates a weaker foundation for someone to grow on. Right. Like, but that's why your wrestlers do so well. Yes. Because the wrestlers, the hardest discipline of combat sports any youth athlete can do is wrestle because the discipline it takes to wrestle is identical to the discipline it takes to be a fighter to be a fighter because if they approach everything like a wrestler they're never going to be outworked right i don't think wrestling mentality works well for striking right i think wrestling mentality works good for the motivation you need to put the work in for striking but you know, grappling arts are different than striking arts. Where grappling arts, you can go 100%, and you're the the catastrophic brain injury is a lot less. Where striking, the biggest problem with striking is when you're if you're sparring 100%, your brain takes a beating and it's really bad for you. Where jujitsu, you could tap out, you can get slammed on the mat, whatever. I mean, you, you you get sore, you get bumped, you get bruised, you do get issues from time to time. But striking is way more damaging on the body. How many questions do you get on that from parents that are bringing their kids into your gym? Honestly, I get more adults than anything. I really don't get a lot of parents okay. bringing their kids. Because I get a lot, obviously, with football and CTE. It's been about 10 years now where these studies have come out, and everybody wants to know what are the participation levels like at the youth level of football. Has it been impacted by these studies that are coming out and saying that 
people are at risk of getting CTE or, or brain injuries as a result yeah. of playing football. Okay, so my grandfather was a backfield coach for the Giants. Okay. My father was drafted by the Giants. My father played at Notre Dame, uh, won in a Cotton Bowl. Right. He was starting middle linebacker. Uh, my uncle Harry played at Penn State. Uh, my uncle Tommy played at Notre Dame. I mean, I come from a family that was heavily entrenched in football. Yes. Every single one of them, my grandfather included, all told me when I was young, you will not play football until high school. Because every injury that they all had, they all had by the time they got to high school, and it was lingering forever. They knew, they didn't know CTE, right. but they were like, the, the, the life-altering effect of playing football from a young age, mm -hmm. it is, you know, not, it's not a, it wasn't a price they wanted me to pay like they did, but I think that the level of awareness to, one thing I want to touch on with that one though is, the difference I see today in sports with parents, because parents are in that rat race where they want their kid to be the best at something, yep. is they make them play it all year round, where that's a big shift. I mean, 20 years ago, not 20 years ago, fuck, I'm going to be 45, so let's say 40 years ago, right. uh, you played seasonal sports. Yep. You didn't play football all year. Right. You didn't play baseball all year. You didn't play basketball. Okay, so Carl was a baseball player. He had to get Tommy John surgery that he never got. He screwed his elbow up by the time he was a sophomore or junior in high school because the, they had him pitching all year round. Yep. And he blew his elbow out by the time he's a high school kid. And he's left-handed? He's left-handed. Yeah, so he's probably a great picture, you know. I mean, yeah, and he was being looked at by the majors because the kid could throw 93 miles. And, an and he's left-handed. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that can throw low 90s right-handed, but not many left-handed, especially be 6'2 or whatever he is. And then he hurts himself, and then nobody cares about him anymore, and then he goes into the life that he went into. Right. But um, the variety of sports is really important. And the one thing about martial arts in and MMA, what's nice about MMA is it's a well-rounded sport. It's something where you're doing a little bit of everything all the time. Right. So the damage gets spread out a little bit differently yes. and as one thing can recover so like if you if you're doing mma you have a bad day of striking you know you, you your hands hurt or your knees sore you can roll for a couple days right if you hurt yourself rolling you can go and work on your punches like you hurt your feet you can use your hands you right. hurt your hands you can use your knees and elbows uh if, if you're having trouble with takedowns because your back's bad you could still go and do other things there's always something you can do so there's a variety to it so you can kind of cycle the damage right. so it's like damage recover where if you're doing if you're if your aspirations to be in the nfl these kids are playing football all year round. If yep. you're throwing the football every day, you're not. You can't tell me you're not going to have an elbow and shoulder problem by the time you're a senior. Right. We see it all the time. We saw. We, we see with some high-level kids that we that we get an opportunity to coach that want to do more, and they come back and their elbow bothers them. They got a dead arm. Yeah, because they got an asshole parent who wants to cash in on their. their or they, their or kids they have an asshole too. personal trainer trainer yes. that's just trying to milk them for money and saying, "Oh, you need to come throw okay. it three times a week. You need to come do this three times a week." That is not this. unique to your business because my biggest problem is that there, there's no qualification, there's no certification for the majority of the things that we have to do. Right. So we get a lot of people that have a lot of people following him that becomes their certification in a lot of ways. Right. I'm like, just because a guy has a lot of guys around him doesn't mean he's good. It means he's good bullshitter. It doesn't right. necessarily mean he's a good coach. I got one kickboxing gym that blows my mind. They have a lot of guys that fight for him. People are like, oh, they're really good. I'm like, they're not good. There's just a lot of them. And they all go there because... It's like this weird cult of that personality. Feeds itself. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, like, like, it's this, like this animal that just feeds itself. Yeah. Like people just buy into the bullshit. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Because it, I mean, 
uh, we're herd animals as humans. Some like me, I'm more I'm I'm more of a solitary individual. I'm not a group guy. Right. Like I don't I never was somebody that was like always aspiring to be part of some big group. Yeah. But the majority of people are. You so know, you would not have joined a fraternity? Never. No, you wouldn't have been a frat guy? Never. I would have burned it down. I know. I would have burned it down and That's beat them all up. That's my point, yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, it never was. You wouldn't pledge? You wouldn't have pledged? No. No. You fucking touch me, I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. It would have been a problem. Yeah. Yeah, that that that's me in a nutshell. There, like, that was always the, the thing. Like, I, I don't kiss the ring. I don't play. I don't play the rules like that. Right. Like, I, I respect people as individuals, and I and I don't like the herd mentality. But most people prefer a herd, and I'm not oh, criticizing right. for it. But it's 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 as humans, we tend to be pack animals. So again, it feeds itself. So you get a place that has a lot of people, and it gets momentum behind it, and it just kind of grows. Eventually, it'll blow up because the success level sucks. Right. And then you know the people that actually want to be good leave and go to places where they can be good so you know i see a lot of that shit but where i was saying with like guys without certification i deal with guys that act like they're specialists that try and round out some of the skills and i'm like i have to repair damage that these people are doing constantly where i'm like you know if you get the wrong strength and conditioning coach forget it or you get the pushy strength and conditioning coach that gets way too involved i'm like look you're supposed to help them pick it up and put it down that's about it. Shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not here to strategize. They talk about the, the, the Division One football level, and really across any level, but the one of the, the biggest hires that Nick Saban makes at Alabama or any of these guys make is their strength and conditioning. Coach. Yep. You know, there's a million guys out there that can coach offense. Everybody's running the same plays, communicate it well defensively. But these strength coaches are so important, these big Division One football programs, that there's a select, you know, few that these guys are like, if I can get this guy, he, he's my, I need to bring my strength and conditioning guy in. And they say it's basically the most important job that they have to fill on the, on their staff is strength and conditioning. Yeah, I mean, it's the glue that binds. And if you get the wrong guy that oversteps bounds or puts the wrong ideas in heads, I mean, I can't tell you how many guys that I've, I've, I've had issues with because I get these weird strength coaches that start to think they know better about what I'm doing right. and start putting weird ideas in people's heads. Like, I'm lucky, like, Keith from Bulldog is very passionate about what he does right. and he really wants these guys to be successful and he does everything he can for that. And he's very supportive of the MMA community in general and he, he doesn't tear people down, which is good. Where I've had coaches that are literally, like, shitting on stuff we're doing and I'm like, you know, they get this, like, inferiority complex and it's like, okay... Your job is to make them faster and stronger. My job is to get them to be able to do everything else. You may have wrestled in high school, but you're not the wrestling coach. You may have hit a heavy bag a couple times. Stop trying to tell my guys how to throw a fucking punch. Like, you don't know. You know, it's yeah. like the guy that has we get it too, too big an I opinion. Get it too. Of I mean, course you, you get know. it. And you're not dealing with one guy. You're dealing with every jerk off in town. And I know the guys you're working with. Right. Because, I mean, there's only so many people in town. And I, quite honestly, I mean, I... I'm not going to put you on the spot with it, but I honestly do not see much that's being done that I'm like, wow, this is great stuff. It's right. very it's very limited. I mean, guys are working kids out, but in terms of making them better, it's a limited thing. But I guess the challenge is, too, when you're dealing with kids that you have to stay motivated in the offseason, and you're only allowed to, to work with them to a certain degree. Well, I can work. Strength and conditioning stuff, we can do 12 months. It's, yeah. it's It can't involve a ball until your season comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, but keeping kids in shape all year round is tough. It's tough. Very I mean, tough. you know, they're they're getting pulled in different directions, and 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 uh, you know, they got other responsibilities. Some of these kids are working, trying to help their families yep. out, and, and and doing all those things. And 
you know, the nutrition but across the different, you know, economic backgrounds, dude, we, we see a lot of difficulty in, in, in some of our kids just with their nutrition, you know, see, they, football, they get up in the morning, there might not be anything there to eat. See, football and scholastic sports is very different because you have such different rule structure for us. I have a support system in place, like we, like Sucker Punch manages all my fighters, right? And the relationship I have with them is like we get sponsored. Like if a kid can't yeah. eat, if a kid doesn't know how to eat, I give him meal prep. Right. Like we use Fit Food NJ. Like Jay from Fit Food, I give him a call and I'm like, yo, this guy's got a fight coming up in three weeks. We got to lose X amount of weight. He can only eat this many calories. He's got it, you know, and he's like, no problem. He balances it out, gives him like the right fat, carb, protein mix. Right. Just eat Take these eat these three containers today, and you're going to be fine. Right. Like we have the ability to sponsor these guys with specialists, and but again, I'm dealing with adults, not kids. Yeah, and another part is too. I mean, I understand too with you. You you can't necessarily just go and feed a kid either without running the risk of offending a family at the same time. It's a very fine line. It, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tough, real rough it's a thing. tough conversation to have, and, and, yeah. it, and it's you know you're trying to do right by the kids, but like you said. You know, it's it's a really it's a really fine line in, in regards to having that conversation. Yeah, like, I I have the ability to be a hammer in ways that you can't. Yes, 100 percent, 100 percent. That's why now, I like football my football coaches back in the day, 25, 30 years ago. Different story. Different story. It's a totally different world yeah. now. You know, um, but yeah, because I'm like, there's the door. You can fucking walk out, and I really don't care. You don't have the ability to do that. They're in the school system. Oh uh, yeah, I can't do that. If I did that, I'd be you'd I'd be, be the one walking out, out the door. Out the door. I'd be looking for the fence. But at the same time. On a prof- professional is different than scholastic. Scholastic, I mean, you are there to develop these kids, right. and I'm here to develop talent too. But my relationship is different. Yes, like, I, 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 I'm here to develop you, but I have a lot of people making investments in there, in me to develop them. And if you're taking, if if your shitty behavior is taking away from my other people, I'm sorry, but those people come first and I have the ability to say you need to move on. Right. Or you don't have that. Not really. You know, I mean, I have to set my expectation, talked about it a little bit earlier, but if those expectations aren't met, then I then I show them the door, but I, yeah, I but can't do it's it. It's way more, it's, way. yeah. It's, it's way more involved. It's a longer process and, um, you know, it's a little bit different. Something it, that, it's funny, we're talking about challenges. Something that, um, two things. I'll get in trouble for one of them. My wife gets so mad at me. I'll, maybe I won't break it up. But uh, I'll break up this one, though. Good. So I read an article uh, two days ago, and it was in uh, one of these armed forces magazines, and it was that 71% of the population between the age of 17 and 24 is not physically fit enough to pass the entrance qualifications for military service. Right. And... When I saw the thread of comments on that, it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Because first off, I'm looking at that going, you got to be kidding me. The, the the qualifications to join the military are so lax. Well, the Army especially. I mean, it, I don't know what branch it was. but All of know. them. Like, you couldn't join a single branch of the military. 71% of the country is not fit to Between join. that 17 and 24-year-old age range. Yes. And the comments were like, well... That's fine because who the fuck wants to fight wars anyway? But then the military guys are chiming in going, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. So the problem here is not that we need you to fight wars. The problem is not only can you not defend the country, you can't defend yourself. And you're like running the risk of type 2 diabetes 
before you're 30. Yeah. Like, what the fuck well, is going on now, there? Now, the military, too, right? I did a short stint with officers uh, school with the Marine Corps, right? I did the okay. PLC program. Uh, it was two eight-week um, sessions in the summer after my freshman year of college, my junior year of college. You either accept your commission or you don't as a second lieutenant, right? Now, so my experience going to Quantico was different because as an officer, there were certain requirements you had to, you had to meet. But enlisted Marines... If you joined, you went to whatever, you know, whatever, wherever you went for your training. If you didn't qualify or if you didn't progress, they would just recycle you. So they would start, if you got to like week four, week five, and this thing wasn't working out for you, they would just send you back to week one and keep doing it until yeah. physically you were able. If what you're reading now is accurate out of that magazine, the military isn't even taking the guys that even, they would recycle yes, 15, 20 years ago. They would not even take them in. I mean... That that's mind-blowing. That's scary. That's scary. And you see it because you deal with kids. I see it from just being in the world, but the level of soft is scary. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's sad. You know, and then we, we talk about football especially, right? So football can be a microcosm of American society. Okay, I'm an advocate for football. Baseball, too. I play baseball in college. But people say that, that baseball is America's pastime and football is America's passion. Okay, and if that's true... What we're doing with the game of football, based off of the, you know, the, the 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 chance of brain injury or some of those things, the game of football has changed dramatically in the last ten years. Even Absolutely. at even at the youth level, right? You see it on TV. But what we can do with the kids, the way we can practice, you probably heard about this growing up. I know you went to CBA, but the, the idea of double sessions with football. Yeah. Okay? So the idea with double sessions was that you would go. You would, uh, you two would days. practice two days, right? Everybody two talks days. about two days, okay? We do, do we, that's the language we use here. Right, you, you do it with We do also, two, three okay? days. Well, good. If the state of New Jersey or any state was able to basically legislate your ability to have two or three days, what they did with youth football now is you cannot follow up a day that you had two practices with another day that you have two practices. So if you have a double session on a Monday, the next day needs to be a single session, okay? And if the, if the double session you had on day one, if that practice um, uh, session was two hours, then you need to give at least two hours of a break in between session one and session two. And what we're doing is we're just we're wussifying across the board a game that gave a lot of kids across the country what we're talking about, the grind, the character to person here, all the work ethic, all those things. We've now made it, taken it to a point where we can't even instill that in our kids, and instead now we have 71% of the country that, that physically can't even handle putting a uniform on. So I'll bring this up then, because the other thing I was going to bring up, so I posted a thing on Instagram, I, I reposted from uh, T Nation, which is like a strength and conditioning website, and it said that type 2 diabetes doesn't care about your body positive. And so my wife got really mad at me. She's like, all, all my employees at work follow you, and these women are not going to take to that very well. But my point, and I was like, look, I'm really sorry. I'll right. take it down out of respect for my wife. Yes. I'm talking about it now. They probably won't be listening at an hour and ten minutes into this no, podcast. I would have yeah, yeah. lost them at this point. But that's the whole – But why are we fighting to accept mediocrity is my issue. Yeah. So – Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue using plus size models. I'm sorry that I don't like that. Right. Cosmo put this like 300 pound chick on there. Like, here's my here's my take on it. I don't have a problem. I'm not saying I'm not body shaming anyone. Right. All I'm saying is is that when places that we traditionally have gone for inspiration to be better 
are using mediocre standards, mm -hmm. it's 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 allowing us to accept a lower form of who we are. I mean, I'm not I'm not seriously like Ashley Graham's that one plus size model. I'm not saying necessarily that she's mediocre. It's just that using her to get you to accept your state is not supposed to be the point. And then other people say the other end of it is these people, you know, that are like super skinny and whatever, it's unhealthy. Yes, I get it. You know, so Hugh Jackman plays Wolverine. You remember the movie Wolverine yes. when he was in Japan? That yes. one, he was like, do you remember when he fought the dude and the dude stabbed him and he's like shredded beyond shredded? shredded? You can so, see every, yeah. Okay, the thing they don't tell you about that is he dehydrated himself for three days and went on this like crazy routine to get into that and he only looked like that for a few minutes. Yeah. And then, uh, another trivia trivia point remember rocky four yes all right the rocky movies the, the russian you remember how shredded they were yes well they filmed the f movies backwards because when they come to film they're all shredded and they look like ridiculous but then because of the filming schedule they get they soft trained right so they get soft so they film backwards right so that, that as their sense. bodies degrade they go backwards as like so they film the beginning of training mm -hmm. at the end of the filming cycle so they look like whatever right. so it's all this like brainwashing us to believe that we can look like that and that's just as unhealthy as saying it's okay to be heavy like you cannot maintain either right. either extreme so for me my challenge is not so much but it, but trying to maintain that shredded look yeah it's going to put me in a hell of a lot healthier position than saying it's okay to be heavy you know it's the it's the shooting for the stars landing on the moon right well if you're shooting for the moon and you never get off the ground it what are we doing for ourselves right and that's why we end up in a situation where the starting point for some people right now for a lot of people is so far gone it, it's 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 asinine and it's not just with conditioning the problem that I have with it, outside of some of the things you mentioned, we see it across society. We see it with our educational system. We see it with relationships. We see it with we see it across so many different things where all of a sudden mediocrity is renowned. You're given the same. You're given some level of um, accomplishment for really being average, you know, and that, that kind of, that forms some scary scenarios for people moving forward. I see an education too. With education, a lot of times, right, our job is to build up kids and, and, and give them a sense of purpose and, you know, and give them, you know, a, a pat on the back and all those things. But what are we doing? If, if, if we reward uh, certain behaviors that are average at best, then when they leave our cozy little cocoon and they go to the real world, they're expecting to get rewarded for average work or subpar work, subaverage, and, and, and that doesn't happen. But that's why athletes end up becoming the warrior of the day because they have to perform. They right. have to like you're not state champ if you don't win the state championship. Right. Right. You didn't you didn't win the fight unless you won the fight. Right. You know, there's no moral victory yeah, that you're no carrying. There's no pat on the back. There's no trophy for the guy yeah. that loses right? in, I mean, in, those, in, those, in those scenarios. So that's where the warrior culture is maintained to a degree is in the guys that actually have to fight for results. But even that gets challenged to such a hard degree now where it's like everybody fights over the result. Right. And they want everybody wants an asterisk on their loss. Yeah, it just drives me fucking crazy. Where I'm like, we well, see know, it a lot with fighters it. too. Oh, absolutely. You know, oh, I didn't lose. He didn't knock me out. That, the fight was stopped too early, or whatever the deal was. At the know? end of the day, the other guy got more money than you did. Shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> so you know, but 
how do you combat that? I, for me, I'm just really real about it. I mean, I have a woman that does strength and conditioning here, and she just said to me one day, like, she's, a, she's actually a school teacher. She said to me that she's really proud of her kids' generation because of the level of tolerance that they have. And I was like, the fuck did you just say? Right. And she's talking about how her kids, like, so, like, open to accept so many things um, last thing I guess we'll touch on because we've been doing this a while but yeah. I'm curious from an educational point of view because I have a bit of a, th- a, a, a theory a, a thesis on on um, a lot of the different violent things that we're seeing from young people and today there's I think that we're in a position where young people have done more horrific violent things than any other time that we can remember to the se- such scale between school shootings and stuff like that yes I think a big part of it is that we live in a time where a lot of people, the majority of people are trying to make everything okay. And a lot of times as kids, we do things that are, I'm not gonna say, I don't wanna use the word wrong, but we do things that are are a little bit more extreme to get attention because we don't know how to communicate yet to bring attention to the issues that we're struggling with. So we act out. Right. But if you're acting, if if the ways in which we used to be considered acting out now are just like, oh, let Johnny and Sally be Johnny and Sally or let Johnny be Sally and let Sally be Johnny. Like, you know, you can be whatever you want to be, however you want to be. It's all acceptable. We're all going to be like just just one big happy family. The levels in which they act out becoming more and more extreme because you feel isolated in a crowded room because no one's paying attention to you when all you're doing is saying, I need help, please pay attention to me. Yeah, I, think there's, I think there's a lot to that. Um, you know, what we've um, marginalized in society, right? What Exactly what you're saying. I don't want to get you in trouble with this. No, story. and I, I got to be, I got to be careful a little bit, and I, and I get but that. You, but, but you, you but you, you deal with these kids. Yes, yes, so. and I, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm a realist, right? So when we were growing up, certain things that were addressed, and a lot of it comes from parents, right? Yes. A lot of it comes from mom and dad at home. Can't always be thrown on the educational system. You can't always be thrown on the teacher, or the coach. It's mom or dad, right? What, what we did, okay, would. Uh, garner a response. Okay, we're out. We're playing football. We're having a catch. Whatever. We throw the ball over our head. We break the window. Okay. What's the response? The response is you broke the window. You got to find a way to fix it. You got to find a way to pay for. It. You're going to go fix that. Okay. Good. In today's society, generally speaking, if that window gets broken, the parent a lot of times is going to the neighbor and saying, "It's your fault." Right. Johnny was having a catch, but that window shouldn't have been there, or that window shouldn't have been that yeah. big. Right. So now. So now there's certain elements of that. Okay, now you take the kid who's troubled, and you take the kid that's that's that that needs the attention. He wants to do something for attention, and he does something to act out, right? That he thinks is going to separate himself from the rest of society, the rest of his classmates. And the response to his transgression is a pat on the back, saying, "Hey, don't worry about it. You know, it happens to all of us." He goes back, and he's or even himself, worse, they say, "We're really proud of you for being you." Right. Right. Now that that's driving that kid even madder, yes. you know, and he's saying, what do I have to do to be noticed? What yeah. do I have to do to garner a response, an emotional response where people see I'm here and I'm reaching out, I'm crying out for help, right? So I think there is something to the idea of uh, us seeing young people do more extreme things because certain behaviors that would have been um, disciplined 20 years ago are now marginalized or, or at least addressed in Address, a, in, right. a, in a at least say something yeah. about are it. you okay you just yes. ask the kid, are you okay what's bothering you you know is everything all right 
it's really crazy that in, in, in this attempt to be more accepting, we've actually eliminated a lot of the actual care we provided for each other over time. So it's like we've kind of like whitewashed everything so we don't interact as much about it. Right. Which means that a lot of stuff gets is not addressed, which then creates these big gaps where kids then have to do more and more extreme things. That's like for me. I mean, I'm I have no problem when I see something going on with people. I'm like you good? Yeah. Like, constant. I mean, 90% of my day yeah. is me reaching out to somebody going, hey, man, you all right? Yeah. You said that dumb shit last night. You cool? Yeah. You know, like... And think about that. That, that, that's a, that sometimes, most times, probably a 10-second conversation. You good? Yeah, man, I'm good. Or, nah, man, I'm not. And you know what happens? Five minutes afterwards, I get a text going, I really appreciate you reaching out. Yep. And the only fucking... That's all that dude needed, man. That's all that's he needed. That's all he needed. He wanted, he wanted somebody to show some love. Somebody to show some interest, and that's you know, and as as a coach, that's something that I take very serious. From sales and marketing, like it's crazy. There's there's uh, what's the number one psychological factor that makes people stay a consistent consumer within a brand? I don't know. You make them feel missed when they're not there. No, just when they show up, you, you say, "I haven't seen you in a long time. Right. I'm really glad you're here." Yeah. That's why websites are designed to like remember your name. Like, done. Welcome back. Yeah, and you're like, oh my god, you purchased this. You remember me, right? Like, because the average person doesn't get that, right? And so when they do get it, even if it's, even if it's not authentic and it's a program, it's still clicking that thing in their brain. They're going to buy something. And and in a lot of ways, with people, you have to understand that if like you 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 kind of you have to understand what people want and need to keep them connected, and you got to give that to them. Like right. you, you know, if you're ignoring somebody, they're 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 gonna do something to get your attention. So, I think that through both through what we do in a lot of ways, it's it's uh, you know we fulfill a need that a lot of places are not designed to fulfill anymore. Right, and I think between the two, I mean, we do it in different ways. I have a Absolutely. different style in doing it. You but have you're, a different you have, style. You have a different age bracket. I have a different age bracket. You have different rules attached yes. to you, and you also. You're in a sport with a with. I mean, you are in a true team sport, right? And you're in a very specific league. You have a specific time frame. I mean, my sport is as individualistic as it is. It still is a team sport, but it's still only one guy going out there at a time, and the season never ends. Right. It's a constant. So where you have, you have to keep people engaged in the off season. Yeah. The issue for me is mitigating the stress of being on all the time. Right. Like you, it's it's a different. You have a very intense pressure cooker. You like get prepared, then you have your season, right. boom, and then you're off, and then you just guys don't get too fat. Right. 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 <laughs> Where with us, it's like six weeks of training, then you fight. Don't get too fat for a week. Back to training. Fight. A marathon back to training, sprint. Right. And it's over, over and over and over right. and over and over. And that's honestly, dude, one of the reasons why I have so much respect for you professionally is you've done that for such a long period of time. It's fucking 20 years, 20 man. 20 years, dude. I mean, that's a long time. That's a long grind. It's never ending. It's never ending. And you're, and you're getting to a point now where professionally a lot of that work that you've done and sacrifice that you've made is being is being rewarded, dude. It was, well, it was awesome to watch. Obviously, the success that Carl's having. Every guy that you train has success. You're a great coach. But to see it played out with the Joe Rogans of the world and those people on the UFC pay-per-views talking about Brian Wright and the type of coach he is... 
that's that's badass. I appreciate that. I told you before it was uh, before we started. It, it, it's a, it's a weird thing where the world, in a lot of ways, had to kind of catch up to what I was doing, and a lot of coaches like myself have been doing. I mean, I opened up in 1998, and I had a mixed style school. I mean, we were doing striking, we were doing grappling. It was MMA didn't exist. It was NHB. It was Pancrase. There was all these weird things, but. I was always a progressive combat sports guy, and I was looked at by some as a barbarian because, you know, the the martial art culture of that time was more karate and taekwondo and all that kind of stuff. And like, right. but now, I mean, 20 years later, people are aspiring to do what I've been doing for a long time, right. and it's like. I'm happy that I've survived as long as I have, so can I, I can have this moment. Right. And what I do next is what's going to define, you know, in 20 years from now, am I going to be still sitting here or right. not? So it's right. like now, like, no more excuses. Now they're doing what you were saying. Now can you stay progressive? Can you stay in the sport? Can you continue to develop guys? Can you continue to stay relevant? You know, for me, I say it all the time. I keep going over this. Um, I think the first 15 years of my career, I really didn't understand how to do this. Um, not so much on a technical level in terms of kicking and punching or whatever, but just on a people level. I was too immature with relationships to understand what it takes to be successful with other people. I feel like I kind of, I'm embracing that more. Uh, I've never not cared about my people, but. I don't think I cared about them in a way that really expressed it enough before. Where right. like I found yeah. a way now where like I can actually create a a authentic bond with people right. in a different and, way. And, and the big thing is having that authentic bond with different types of people. Yeah. You know because every fighter that was going to want you to train them that, that has aspirations of fighting in the UFC, they're not going to be cookie cutter. They're going to have different things that drive them. They're going to have different backgrounds. Same thing with me with football. My ability to motivate or my ability to show these kids that I care about them, you have to be able to show. Player A that you care in a certain way. Player B. Well, you have to have re- you have to have empathy. Yep. And you have to have the ability to communicate in a way that people are going to understand. And that's where the maturity aspect for me is. I didn't. I did not. I've always had empathy. I've always had it, but I didn't take actions in line with it. Right. I felt like I have to do this no matter what. Right. Where now I do what I have to do to communicate these ideas to people in a way that it's going to register because at the end of the day it's not their job to get me it's my job to get them yeah. in a way that's going to make them successful and that's the whole thing and once i kind of got that that's when things started to change and you know carl and i happened to come around each other at the right time and a lot of these other athletes that I'm, I'm picking up and working with now it's just it's the right time i mean david branch is a 37 year old guy fighting in the ufc he's been doing this a long time he was champ champ in world series of fighting yeah yeah really kind of uh, resurrected himself and uh, you know he literally just started training with me he's 37 he's been doing i think he's been fighting 12 years now right but came across each other at the right time yep uh stayed it long enough the right time presents itself in a lot of ways but you have to have the endurance and if I think the message is same. If you're a young guy with aspirations of being something, be prepared to have the endurance. Yep. And ignore ignore the pitfalls. Don't ignore the pitfalls. Be aware of the pitfalls so that you don't fall into the trap 
where mediocrity becomes acceptable. Right. Let everyone else be mediocre. You be exceptional. Yeah. I've always had this weird thing in me that I always wanted to lead an exceptional life. I don't know why. From I, as long as I can remember in this life, I never wanted to do what other kids did. My mom used to yell at me all the time. I had a weird thing. Whenever we would go out to dinner, I would never order what anyone else ordered because I felt like a menu is supposed to have variety. Right. I was like, no, you have to have variety. We all can't do the same thing. It's crazy. I, I from from like the first time I was ever order my own food, I was like that. I, my wife broke that, me That's that a little now. strange. That is, that is a little strange. I mean, you know, if you're sitting there with eight kids at a birthday party and six of them get pizza and two of them get cheeseburger. No, no, no. No, I'm talking about more if you have a menu in front of you. Right. Like you're in a restaurant with like a bunch of people sitting around a table and you've got a robust menu. Yeah. I would never order what anyone else ordered. I, I'm saying though, if you're 10 years old, I mean, what, what, you're going to have a burger, Dude, I did that, I did that when I was dog. fucking four. What do you have a, you know. I'm fucking weird. But it was like I always just had this thing where like. To be exceptional. You have to squeeze everything out of everything. Right. And experience as much of it as possible. So, like, that's why I traveled so much. And I went, you know, I went off the beaten path to find things. And um, it's just, it's just, uh, I, I've always had that drive. I, uh, that's why I'm an entrepreneur. I, um, I'm, I'm terminally unemployable, I like to say. <laughs> because I, I work well with others. I work poorly for others. It's, yeah. uh, uh, it's, I don't like to be limited. But I don't, I feel like I'm handcuffed when I have... When I'm when I'm answering to a clock and a and a specific thing, it is what it is. That's me. Um, but I think that it, that attitude I have is what has allowed me for 20 years to do this, to develop the guys I have, and to instill a hunger or to identify a hunger in certain athletes and then fostering that so they stay the course and they keep wanting more and they stay progressive because if you don't have that you're never going to make it to the top because there really is no top there's just there's chasing it. more forward than right. where you were embrace the suck you mean it's, it's got to be a mindset you know what i mean like and and ultimately again just to reiterate you can apply it to everything you've had things happen in your professional life i've had things happen in my professional life you've had things happen in your personal life i've had things happen in my personal life if you're not a tough person if you don't know what it what it takes to, to grab your shit and keep moving forward, life can kick your ass. Hey man, there's a Zen saying that I I heard and I, I I've always embraced. It is uh, if you can do one thing well, you have the ability to do everything well. It's all the same formula. I was showing I was training somebody yesterday and they were like, well, this is like that, and I'm like, if you're using the human body correctly, we all end up doing the same shit. Right. Like seriously, what's what's the difference between a good play and a bad play? I mean, there's no right. magic. There's yep. no magic. It's just math and physics and yep. it's science. It's a science of behavior. Like you can either do it or not do it, and it's and it's eliminating the distractions and having the focus. Right. Can you repeat the proper movement over and over again? When conditions are different, when stresses are yes. different, all that other stuff. Hot, you cold, know. wet, dry, yeah. <laughs> you know, tired, whatever. Tired, yes. rested, you know, happy, sad, whatever it's the deal is. It. Can I, you repeat yeah. the movement? Yeah. And that, that's... Either do or you don't. Everything. That's the endurance factor. Because endurance is not having the ability to just do anything for a long time. Endurance is doing the doing the right thing. Un, unbroken. Right. It's having the ability to just keep doing that same thing. Like, be a metronome, man. It's mm -hmm. just got to be tick, 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 tick the same way. And that's, again, if uh, if there's any if there's any uh, judgment on, on both of us for 
what we do in this life, I guess I I, I hope it, it, the judgment's favorable because I I know you and I know myself and I know that ultimately what we're trying to do is just create champions in our arenas, but ultimately it's creating just more successful humans. Exactly right. If there, if there was more people like you and I, and again, we go about things differently. I have a different yes, personality, yes, yes. you have a different personality, right? Even if I was training pro fighters our, and you were coaching our football. Our intent's the same. Right, our, our intent, intent is the same. Is the same. If, if, if there were more of us, there would not be 71% of yes. Americans between the age of 17 and 24 unable to participate in the military. And fighting to say that that's okay. Right, accepting it. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. crazy. It's not okay. Fight no. the good fight. Stay focused. Do the best you can. Push yourself every day. Believe in yourself, but understand that uh, that there 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 is grind that you need to have in every aspect of your life. It's and great, if you, man. If, it's, it's great. It's if it's you great. don't have it, it's going to be a tough go. Yeah, and trust me, when you get out of the school system and you have to get a job, they don't give a shit. They don't care. They don't give they a don't shit. Care. You make money for them or you don't. Right. That's it. And if you don't. You're looking for something else. Yeah, there's no participation trophy in the real world. In the real world. None whatsoever. All right, Mr. Klein. Brother, I appreciate this I really enjoyed Great this. Great catching up with yes, you. Yes, absolutely. And like I said, I'm so proud of, of, the, of what you got going on at this point in your I, professional life and your personal life with your uh, family. I appreciate that. You know, yeah. have, you, have you gotten yet at, at, at you know your son's Little League uh, T-ball game yet? You know, they called your grandpa yet or anything like that? It's no. nice, nice that your grandfather came to watch you, you know today. What, you know what's really funny? Everybody's scared of me. <laughs> of course they are. And nobody knows what I do, but no, everybody's scared of me. No, they know what you me. do. I mean, come everybody's on. scared of me. Everybody's watching. Everybody's looking at it. Oh, my God. There's that I'm not guy. a scary-looking dude, There's that though. UFC guy. You're the yeah, UFC yeah, guy yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Look at you. There's pictures of you. Like I said, Paul Felder's talking <laughs> about you. <laughs> we, went out to, this we, one. we went out to dinner with um, one of my wife's friends who their, their kids go to school with my son and the, the husband pulled me aside and he goes I've known you now for like a year he goes I didn't know who you were I was like who the fuck what am that? I what does that I'm, mean? Like, I'm like who yeah, am I I don't know he goes I saw you on TV and then I started asking around and then people were telling me what you do and who you are and he goes holy shit I'm glad I didn't say anything stupid I was like don't worry relax dude relax, relax. I, I don't like snap relax. off and kill people although if it was 15 years ago you might have just Look, for him asking not that everybody's Mike Polano Dude, Polano in the house. Mike, what's he doing right now? Mike Polano's sitting there drinking a beer, holding his kid. Probably he is. Yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll enjoy this. He keeps trying to tell me he's going to come back. So I think all my hair is going to be gray by the time I see that. But uh. dude, his kicks are pretty good. I've been saying that for years. Polano, at one point, his kicks were pretty good. Mike, he's one of those guys that uh, Mike always had a natural ability, but. He's always been into what he's been into, so he put his energies into that. Who would win in a fight, Joe Rogan or Mike Polano? Joe Rogan would. In how long? Fifteen seconds? Nah, cause Joe. I don't know. Give it a minute, but Joe Rogan would choke him the fuck out, or hit him with one of those back kicks and like launch him across the room. <laughs> but th the whole thing is, if the two of them fought, you want to know who's who. But it's like staring in a mirror. Yeah, it's who's like, oh, who? Shit. Yeah. Just Except, Polano needs some more tattoos. Yeah, they're both funny. Just one can actually fight. <laughs> yes, I would agree with that. <laughs> Do you have anything Polano, you want to shout we out? Love you. No, yeah. man, I'm just you know, just what? just happy to be here. Like I said, Killer B. And you want to. Uh, Tell people how they can follow your, your football team. All right, OT underscore football on Twitter. It's basically the only uh, social media platform that I'm using right now, but we do have a good team coming back in 2019. Come check us out, um, Ocean Township Big Red Football. We've had some success, obviously, throughout the course of my career, also sending guys to college. 
and uh, I feel like we got some dudes coming back now that uh, that can play this game at a high level. They're high character kids and, and represent our community the right way. That's what we want to hear. Ocean Township kid for life. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So this is the Hive. You can find us at thehivecast.com. Uh, the Hive is also available on iTunes. Tune in. Um, got on the website. We're here at Killer B. You can get us at killerbcsa.com. And I want to do a shout out to some of the people that make this happen. Um, Sucker Punch Entertainment. They are the management team that manages our fighters and makes a lot of things happen for us. If you are an athlete on the way up, they are definitely the people you want to speak to about where your career is going. We have a new sponsor that has done amazing things for a bunch of the athletes on the team, and I can personally vouch for the quality of their service, and that is Fit Food NJ. Um, Fit Food is a meal prep company. I started using it personally, and I uh, lost some weight. Uh, stomach problems that I had actually started to clear up, and it's Dude, been really good. you do look good, man. Seriously, Thank you, you look I mean. appreciate that. I don't know how much um, training you've been doing, but... Uh, I'm getting the shit kicked out of me every day by these guys. It's helping, but Fit, Fit Food is... Fit Food, dude. Fit I Food, I'm going to check that out. I Coach Klein needs some help. I, I, I honestly, I lost, uh, I lost about 10 pounds in about a month of eating their food. Uh, I just feel better, sleep better. My wife... My wife is is eating it now. Just makes life a lot easier. It's delivered directly to your house. It's really good. There's links directly on the website for that. I can't say enough about Fit Food. And then I also have uh, CBD is a big recovery product, and CBDailyLLC.com has been the new provider of CBD products for all of us here at the gym. Uh, they have products for everything from sleep and pain, anxiety. They have this roll-on product that if you get bumped or bruised, your bumps and bruises are actually healing probably about 30% faster. Crazy. CBD is, is, a, is definitely a amazing new additive to recovery. Um, last shout-out will be to Thrive um, uh, Spine and Recovery. They handle a lot of our recovery. Um, Joe and AJ, awesome guys. And then also strength and conditioning. Check out Bulldog Strength and Conditioning and Freehold. They do all of uh, Carl's work, Phil Caracappa. I believe Matt Caracappa is still there. Deanna Bennett's there. If you want to look like Carl, that's the place to start. So. Yeah, it's not a bad way to look. Not a bad way to look. <laughs> so, All right, I shouted out enough shit. Uh, this is Brian Wright with Don Klein. This is The Hive, and we are... Ouch.